What we found is a subscription box can really be utilized in five different ways. You can, um, and we call it marketing like a pirate because it, the acronym is R, right? Mm-hmm. So you can acquire new customers by doing an interesting box. You can activate customers to do a specific thing, right? You can also make a revenue off of it, which is important, right? But use it for a referral program. And you can always use it for a retention for like employees. So there's kind of these different things. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Hey guys, today I'm talking to Paul Jarrett, the CEO and co-founder of Bulu, which is really a great company and I love your cap, Paul. It's really cool. So for all that watching this on YouTube, this is really a great cap. You should ask him to get one. Well, Bulu is a cool company. So they create subscription boxes, white label, private label subscription boxes for brands like Disney, like BuzzFeed, and many, many more. They launched in in 2012, and enough from me. Paul, welcome (laughs) to the show. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, and thanks for everybody listening out there. Let's have some fun. Yeah, thanks for being with us in the show. Paul, tell us a bit about yourself and about Bulu. Yeah, that was a great intro, and I'll just say that, yes, we do a lot of subscription boxes. We work with tons of big, cool brands, but... Now we just say at Bulu, we do the tricky ship, as in shipments. None of that cursing words for you potty mouths there. So yeah, at Bulu, we focus on doing the tricky ship. Um, And what that means is really for the past, we started about 12 years ago. My spouse, who happens to be my co-founder, and I can say it's my wife, Stephanie. We've worked together at it, and we've done everything from our own consumer packaged goods brands, to building and selling a software, to working with big brands. And now really we have a new chapter of our company where we're just really focused on equalizing the playing ground in e-commerce and helping smaller people do the same thing that the bigger folks are doing. So we, when we started, we raised venture capital. We did two rounds of venture capital and 12 years later, it's still a great relationship. And really, I think the thing that we've sniffed out and that we're doing is not just storage packing fulfilling for subscription boxes, but um, also traditional fulfillment. And usually what that means is we're getting deeper into the manufacturing process. So we're making, we're basically helping to make food for people to sell through their websites at margins that they can actually compete with others on. So it's been a really fun evolution and so excited for the next chapter and talk about it. Awesome. You've Started in 2012. So these are quite some years, as you mentioned already. What's well, been, yeah, long on the market. What's <laughs> been the most challenging part of your entrepreneurial journey? Robert, should I give you the answer that is correct and will appease everybody? Or should I give you the actual truth? <laughs> what do you want? Both is fine, I think. Both? Whatever you prefer. Yeah. No, so, the actual truth. So I would What's say, the- yeah, the actual truth. What? I've found and where I think a lot of my entrepreneurial friends would agree behind closed doors with 
and it sounds silly, but it's so true. Be careful of not only your own ego, but people around you. Ego is an interesting challenge for a lot of folks. And I think e-commerce, it's really easy to hit some margins and hit some sales and to think that you know it all. But in reality, this industry and technology is going so fast that I just always encourage people like the moment that you think you have a handle on things, check your ego, check yourself, because there's somebody like a 22 year old Paul Jarrett who is hungry and they're learning about ChatGPT and they're learning about automations. And if you don't stay on top of that, if you think you're smarter than you are, that's where I see a lot of folks get in trouble. And I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. But I do know now if something's not going correctly or we're not hitting on all cylinders, I need to pause and take some time and see, am I the problem? And we have a saying, my parents had it and we have it at work where when you point at somebody, there's one point in that way, but there's also three pointing at you first. So I think that's just such a valuable lesson that I'll continue to learn and remind myself. And sometimes I find myself talking about it as a reminder to myself. So, you know, you can, it's a good reminder to go back and check yourself and go, man, I used to, I said this, so I need to check myself on it. So that's a di probably different answer than a lot of people were expecting. That's really a wonderful answer. And I really love that answer so much. Wow. I have learned something similar when I was 17 or 18 years old and was part of a motivation training, a sales training, actually. Oh. Yeah. And well, this is one of that. those things that I remember from there is that the trainer said something like, uh, you're driving down the mountain skiing and you have an accident because someone crashes against you who is guilty. Yeah? Right. And it's always you. He said, it's always you. Thousands of people were driving mm -hmm. down the mountains, but you yeah. did. The, you had the crash. It's your fault for whatever reason. You have it in your brain and you need to... It's not the, the absolute truth. So absolutely yeah. not the truth. It wasn't an analogy about that entire topic, but I remember yes. that. And you actually just so told me the same thing in yeah, a different so way. And yeah. it's a very interesting aspect. If you look at that as a business owner... When you work with other people and, and they don't perform like you would like them to perform, that you maybe could change something on your end. That's really interesting. Yes. Might yeah. not be always the truth, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably have a really good take on it or point of view on it because I've had podcasts in the back and I've been on a lot. And, you know, you find yourself going to conferences and people are begging you to be on the, you know, your podcast or whatever. And you just have to remind yourself you're doing something correct, but it's easy to get that twisted in your head. Yeah, great topic. I was very to interesting topic, and of course, yeah. very interesting for businesses. You've been uh, recognized in a various major media outlets, so you've been on a lot of medias with your exp expertise in e-commerce. What's one piece of advice you wish you had received when you were just starting uh, out? Yeah, that's a great one. I would say that. It's a little bit of the reason why we're doing what we're doing, frankly. And I would say that, Paul, I would, I would probably get in a time machine. I'd hop out. I'd find myself and I'd grab myself and say, now, listen up. You think the solution is always going to be more sales. But have you ever stopped to ensure that the way you're doing logistics, purchasing things, kind of the monotonous day-to-day -day things, 
have you stopped and thought about that as intricately as you think about sales? Because I would say to myself, most independent e-commerce brands are actually logistics companies that have a product, but they don't realize that they are a logistic company. And so always try to understand what projections for sales you'll have, how to purchase on that, how to negotiate on terms. We were shipping 60,000 subscriptions in our first 12 months. And we were listening to people and they said, maybe when you get more volume every month, you can negotiate your price. And we just took that as the reality. And now I look back and I'm like, oh man, we were getting took. We weren't negotiating that extra dollar here, dollar there. And I think our story would have been way different. And that went on for years. And you gotta just have to learn some of those things, especially any revenue stream, major revenue stream or major expenditure. Not only do you need to understand those things, but you need to go fact check and you need to keep those companies competing with each other just to keep them honest. Very interesting. Yeah, I need to agree. If you don't negotiate on those expenses, that's something that really a lot of store owners oversee for some yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't and even think about that because you have your brain full of marketing and sales and, and how yeah. to get new customers and how to get more leads on the website. And that's really interesting fact. With the race of uh, subscription services, actually, how has the fulfillment landscape changed over the years? Yeah, I would say that what I have seen, and it's still shocking to me. So when we started, I think you'll find this really interesting. We made the conscious effort to use Shopify, but this is 12, 13 years ago. And there wasn't a lot of people on Shopify. And we used to call all the time trying to get stuff fixed. And we talked to Toby in customer service. Toby was actually the CEO and we didn't know. So I was getting firsthand conversations and discussions with the CEO of Shopify. Wow. And he would always, he would always tell me, Paul, we're going to have a marketplace someday. I really think you should focus on building a subscription app because what we have It's kind of hacky. It's not working. And I was like, whatever, man, what does this guy in customer service know? <laughs> But what I see changing or what I'm surprised is that a couple of years after that, we thought there would be plenty of options. And we thought that by now there would be plenty of good options for digital and physical solutions with subscription. And to this day, I'm just shocked that, and I've noticed a lot of people, I would say I'm shocked at how slow the industry actually moves. And there's so many little things holding it back. Like we've spent a lot of money in research trying to understand, well, people call it subscription or auto renew, right? And it was subscription about six months ago. And now we're starting to see a lot of people call it auto renew. And so little things like that really add up and it takes a lot of time and money to understand the market. And I would say I am still absolutely shocked at how terrible most fulfillment companies are with basic subscription, gifting, membership. Um, and then to add returns onto that, it's really mind-blowing how simple we believe and see and do that. Yet in the industry, people think it's impossible to sell a subscription out of a retail store. And you're like, We do it for Disney. It's not really actually that hard. So 
I would say that's really surprising at how slow the industry is and how even nowadays people don't understand the value of subscription. And it's probably the number one thing CEOs in any logistics software or any other company talk to me about. And my only response is there needs to be more money educating the market on what it actually means. And everybody should have a subscription product on their website. If you gave me any company, I could say that should be on subscription or they should add a product. Cleaners are a great thing, right? Whatever you buy, sell a cleaner with it and sell it on subscription at checkout. So a lot of folks I think are missing that. And one one little tweak to their website and one good partner, all of a sudden, you know, I say subscription should be looked at as paying your electricity and your utility bills, right? Don't look at it as a solution. It's just a tool that you need in your toolbox. I love subscriptions because, of course, ThinkSpider, the host, actually is a subscription-based product. It's a B2B yep. tool for integrating with uh, other e-commerce solutions. And therefore, of course, it's a subscription. Yeah. But I think about, we're mostly talking about physical subscriptions, really products that are... In my mind, I actually think both. Both, yeah. Yeah, yeah we but, have companies... But there yeah. are, of course, a lot of store owners actually have no product for subscriptions. Let's say uh, the, the, the smartphone company from over there, yeah, they yeah. maybe, yeah, they sell smartphones, they sell subscription insurance. Okay, nice. But it's again, digital, but okay, that works out. So you would sell a subscription insurance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do this. I feel like we do a lot of this with people where they go, I don't have subscription. And I kind of say, BS. Tell me what you got. Clothing. What's what's there? Clothing, textiles. Clothing. Oh, detergent. One hundred percent perfume, yeah. fragrance. That wrinkle release. It's like all day. Or or subscription socks. Right. Get them every four months. And and when subscription is looked at as a means that can actually be a direct marketing tool. Right. So don't look at it as I need to make a ton of money on it. Look at it as now you have a way to physically or digitally get in front of your customers every month. How much would you pay for that in marketing? Mm. Right. Yes. So it's just a very different tool that I think people aren't putting enough thought into. Awesome. Yeah, it's really interesting. What sets subscription box fulfillment apart from the typical e-commerce fulfillment? I mean, it's just a renewing order. And you yeah. just pack it again every month, isn't it? Here's kind of how I would describe it to people. With a physical product, okay, I got my AirPods here, right? Let's just say it's one item and it's going to go out. What I need, of course, I'm probably preaching to the choir. I need the digital information and the physical information to follow through whatever pipeline it goes through. And even if it comes back, I need that information to stay together, right? Now, imagine the part where there's actually this. And there's actually this piece, right? And there's all these pieces that go together to make up this product, right? So now, is it an individual item or is it a subscription or item like an inventory, right? And what we see is a lot of people don't understand that really a subscription box, it's just multiple varied items kitted or bundled together as one and shipped on a recurring basis. And when those, when and if those things come back, the whole mechanics for how you track inventory are different, right? So it's this mindset of the industry saying, here's one item, here's the, di the digital information, here's the physical information. They flow throughout and we're done. 
That's not where it is anymore, right? It's here's the digital, here's the physical. Let's get all the pieces of the digital thing so we can keep our inventory and our manufacturing closer together. Okay, these are going to go through. Is it going physical to retail? Is it going to a distribution center? Is it going to customers' doors? There's a gazillion channels that it can go through. It's got to flow through there as an auto renew subscription gift or whatever. And it has to come back and the customer data has to come back. And that infinite loop of really what I would say intensely managing APIs to ensure that the data flows correctly, it really starts to look like a data management company mindset. And so I'm just fascinated that people are still stuck in this. I'm going to sell a product and make 60, 70, 80, 90% margin, or I'm going to drop ship and fight for this 10%. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to do all of it through all the locations and you will respect the margin for each one of those things. And you will grow at a pace that's manageable because we're actually going to track the inventory and you will know 24, seven, 365, where every single thing is at. And the moment anybody at our company touches, moves, zaps it, we're tracking every single little piece. And when you start to look at it, like almost user interface design, you can see glaringly all of the problems in the industry. And, yeah. and that's how we look at it. We'll see if we're right, but it, so far it's been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Mentioned all this, how do you ensure that a subscription box is not just a monthly delivery, but uh, an actual uh, experience for the customer? Yeah, so we say when it comes to a subscription, I'm actually going to just grab a piece of one right over here. So we said, so this is the Shark Week box. This was one item that was in it. We had candy. We had this. We had uh, this really fun, there's actual squishy sand, on kinetic sand, I believe it's called, right? And what we find with our clients is we call it marketing like a pirate. And when you look at, and that's from uh, Dave McClure, 500 hats, hat tip to Dave. What we found is a subscription box can really be utilized in five different ways. You can, um, and we call it marketing like a pirate because it, the acronym is R, right? Mm -hmm. So you can acquire new customers by doing an interesting box. You can activate customers to do a specific thing, right? You can also make a revenue off of it, which is important, right? But use it for a referral program and you can always use it for a retention for like employees. So there's kind of these different things. And what we talk to brands about is, look, Disney, for example, this box can be used to do these different things. We call it marketing like a pirate. But if you focus in on one thing specifically, we know how to build the box around that. So let's say that we want to cover acquisition or any one of those things, right? We look at the box and we know that we need products in a subscription box. And this is by data science, PhDs, Boston University, Harvard, that we hired, paid way too much money. And they put words to what we thought, right? They looked at all of our data and they said, a great subscription box or any delivery for that matter, based on the data, means that when somebody opens it, they should be able to feel something. And not even just emotionally, but physically. Can they feel the crinkle paper? Is there an interesting product in there, kinetic sand that they can take out and feel? So feel is number one. Taste, smell is number two. 
can they smell it, right? Crayola, we had like fake Crayola spray in it. So it smelled like crayons to people. So feel, taste, or smell, those two things like lock people in. And then we say, what's the wow product? As in, wow, I didn't realize they're giving that to me. Or wow, that's a lot of something. Or wow, I never knew a heat activated shark mug existed. And then really the last two products we say are weight, which means they're used to control the weight of the box. So if you have the feel, the taste and the smell, the wow factor, and then anything else in there is really used to control the weight of the box. You want it under two pounds, pro tip. That's really what makes a great subscription. And that can be one product or it can be a hundred products. But those, that's what's actually going through somebody's mind when they open up the box from you. So it's super valuable to think about that experience versus a giant Amazon box with chapstick in the middle of it. And I, I just thought a bit about what was the recent deliveries I got from companies, and I'm not talking about subscriptions. Yeah. Most of them are just a box with the good, that's it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not just subscriptions what you're mentioning. How does it feel if you get, let's say, new trousers, yep. and someone who packed those trousers has a, a small card inside with a handwritten, thank you so much for purchase, I packed it for you, and why else? Well, it's a cologne. Nice. Yeah, with a cologne. Oh. That's it. Yep. Yep. It's really great. And I think we really, as a store owners, as, as e-commerce people, we really should think about that as well. Not just subscriptions. Just how can we make the people getting our goods feel more comfortable when opening them? Yeah, I always think about, look at your product. Now, what store does that sell in around you? Is it in a Target? Is it in its own custom boutique? What is that? Now go to that retail location and just pretend for a moment that stepping into that store is actually the same thing as going to the website. Trying to find the product is the same thing as... Now, what are the other factors that a retail location has on you? A lot of senses, sight, smell, et cetera. How can you try to capture a little of that essence of a great... You know, it's very different walking into an Abercrombie and Finch versus walking into a Costco, right? How do you capture just a little bit of that magic in your box? And the cool thing is, I think people think it's more difficult than it is, but not a lot of people are doing it right now. So it doesn't take much to captivate people when they get a package. Look at it as a gift, not a, here's something we're trying to save money on. And it's a very different customer that you're likely going to retain a lot longer and not have to spend customer acquisition costs on. How do you deal with the increasing shipping rates at the moment? That's insane yeah. how they go up, right? Yeah. Here's the secret that nobody wants to talk about, right? All your shipping costs basically boil down to, and this is something that FedEx and UPS would just die if I they listen to this or whatever, right? Because I've I've checked this out. I've flown out and double checked it and got the math. What they're actually looking for, and the only way to truly reduce your rates long term, are to understand how many trucks from UPS or FedEx that you're going to need, right? If you're selling individual items, it is very hard to predict the future. But on auto renew. You can literally go out there and start counting the trucks and you can start to have these conversations of, hey, 
with our customer acquisition lifetime value payback ratio rising and our churn topping off, we believe that in six months, I want that pricing today. And they will fall over in their seat, right? And we are a 3PL by name, but we are so open with people and sharing valuable information because we also believe the only way to overcome the carriers and the Amazons is guess what? We all need to start to play nice together for our customers, right? We need to share this information. We need to tell people, hey, look, my WMS is on extensive.com. If you want to connect to it and work together as another 3PL to get better rates, let's do it. Let's go. And I think that's the thing that we've all been conditioned in this industry to be competitive. And you're going, hey, we're all not talking. We're all not knowledge sharing. And we're just complaining about these couple of entities that are taking our margin. How about we all work together and scare them for once, right? (laughs) The other thing about negotiating your shipping rates, and I will say this till the day I die. Sure, you ship station. Sure, nobody's going to be delivers two-day rates. I hear you. Yep, there's catches with that. Maybe they won't ship items worth over X amount of dollars. Maybe they won't take returns. Maybe they're going to get you on the fees with the pallet storage. You're locked into a five-year contract. There's pros and cons to all of that. But here's one thing that doesn't change. You need to bring in your carrier. And I don't care if you're shipping one item or if you're shipping a million. You need to get to know your carrier sales rep at UPS, your sales rep at FedEx, your postmaster general in your city, right? Go above your rep, right? And you need to start to negotiate them and let them in on your plans. And you need to be firm and fair. And you need to say, look, I know I'm negotiating the trucks and the amount that are coming here. I also know in one way, shape or form, I'm negotiating your commission. Do you want to take more and reduce my level of success, which is more money for you in the long run? Or will you work with me and let's meet every month for one hour and go through things and you help me be better? You keep me up to speed with what UPS, you let me know if I can do CBD, you let me know if I can do hazardous materials. Let's work together, right? Let's grow this thing. And if you do those two things, you can start to predict how many trucks you need and you get a great relationship with your carrier and you negotiate and you play nicely with them. Everything changes. That's the secret, right? We have every shipping software tool you can imagine, right? But nothing beats it when the carrier goes at UPS, his name's Paul too. He goes, I guess you're right. You're probably going to need four trucks. Here's Tony's number. Call him. Let's figure out how to do this cheaper. That's, that is all we're doing. And we're just doing it more and faster than everybody. Talking with the people, yeah. asking. Yeah. And if you don't ask, yeah, it's your pick fault. Pick up the phone. Pick yeah. up the phone. Software companies. I don't care who you are. Tell them. And this is the magical statement. What would you do if you were in my shoes? What would you do if you were in my shoes? And I need to compete shipping rates with Deliver, ShipBob, whoever. What would you do if you needed to save $1 on a shipment to put towards marketing? And you'll get a very different answer because now they're on your team, right? You want to take it from your friend, friendly, fighting, or fear, right? That's friend, fight, fear. What's it going to be? Yeah, I'm going to make friends with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Paul. Give me two or three things. What would you would recommend our listeners to 
change right away in the store to get more success? Online? Online. So I would say first thing would be, and this is, I like to play the long ball here. I would say, I don't care if you're on Shopify, Magento, BigCommerce, whatever it is, start reading the content. Read, especially their early content and do what they say. It doesn't seem valuable, but I'm telling you, if you become a student of the platform, it really changes the game for a lot of people. And you start to understand that spin the wheel app that's always number one on Shopify, maybe it actually works. And you test it out and you're like, oh, wow, like top of the ups. So I think that's like number one. Number two, I would say really develop and get to know, go tour, go meet everybody in your supply chain all the way up just by them knowing your name and putting a name to a face. They're going to think differently when they talk about boxes. And even if you're doing digital, Zoom with them, pick up your product, show it to them, get to know them. Get them on your team so you have these guardian angels watching out for you. And and I'm not saying buy them gifts and suck up to them. I'm saying you open and you say, I'm the CEO. It's my duty to maintain the margin here at this company. Here's what I'm trying to do. Let's work together. You help me. I'll help you. So reading about your e-commerce platform, developing the relationships. I don't care if they're digital or, or whatever. I have people in all over the country that you know, have these little apps and I get to know all of them and it's two people in another country. And I'm like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if you're big or small. Let's figure this thing out together. And then I think the third thing is understanding when you're scaling and when you want to be scaling. And all I can tell people is when you're scaling and when you're growing, the thoughts in your mind change from, oh, what did we spend on marketing? What did we spend on this? To Where am I going to put this stuff? What happens if, do I need racking? Do I need a 3PL? So when those thoughts in your mind change, that's when you're scaling. And when you scale, the hardest part about scaling is you have to start to write down a process so you can pass that off or so you can be quicker at it. So I see a lot of people over-processing things too early or and then under-processing that later. And I just tell them, When you're not worried about how am I going to get a customer to enter their credit card in their website, in our website, and those questions go to, how do I get it to them? Oh, wow. How do we handle customer service? Oh, wow. How do we handle these things? That's when you need to look down and start writing bullet points out and looking for some help. Awesome. Thank you. Really great answers. Thank you. Typical answers. I didn't expect them. Yeah. So I I, I know already some recommendations, of course. And I didn't expect them. They are really completely different and I love them. One last question for today. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? I would say probably the blogs at Shopify, Big Commerce, Magento, and honestly, the chat, the help chats. And just asking those people, can we talk? Are you doing a webinar? I've always got, gotten to be friends with the customer service people. And that's how you meet a Toby, right? And so I'm very much, I know what it goes, what it takes to put that stuff together. And I know unappreciative and how nobody looks at those things, but man, using the product correctly, reading about it, talking to people at their company. I'm on a product development team at extensive.com 
And I've worked with Gong and Close and everybody's always like, why are these software companies talking to you? I'm like, because they talk to the customer service. And with that, then they're giving me beta launches that nobody else gets because I'm working with them, not yelling at them. Thank you so much. It was really a great interview. I loved it. Talking to you, Paul. Yeah. And guys, you need to go out, get your subscription running or your auto renew. Yeah. Hey, Enable well. that on your stories. There is Paul, there is Bulu. They know how to do it. They have really shown the success stories and proven that subscription models work. And yo, watch out for the next show. See you soon. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.